now, let us continue to live into this prayer, this prayer of assurance and knowledge that we are beloved of God. And so as a forgiven and a beloved people, let us hear today's scripture reading for today. Today we are in the letter to the church at Colossae, the Colossians 1, 1 through 14. I am reading from the Common English Bible, but as always, I encourage you to hear this or follow along in the biblical language that best connects you with God. So let us hear what Paul, or maybe Paul, has to say to this new church. Again, Colossians 1, 1 through 14. A greeting from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother. To the holy and faithful siblings in Christ in Colossae, grace and peace to you from God, our Father. Thanksgiving and prayer for the Colossians, we will always give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. We've done this since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and your love for all God's people. You have this faith and love because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You previously heard about this hope through the true message, the good news, which has come to you. This message has been bearing fruit and growing among you since the day you heard and truly understood God's grace, in the same way that it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world. You learned it from Epaphras, who is the fellow slave we love and Christ's faithful minister for your sake. And he informed us of your love in the spirit. Because of this, since the day we heard about you, we haven't stopped praying for you and asking for you to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We're praying this so that you can live lives that are worthy of the Lord and pleasing to God in every way by producing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, by being strengthened through God's glorious might so that you endure everything and have patience, and by giving thanks with joy to our Creator. For God made it so you could take part in the inheritance in light granted to God's holy people. It was God who rescued us from the control of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves. God has set us free through the Son and forgave our sins. Thus ends our reading. These are the lessons of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, our title for today's message is Faith, Love, and Hope, something that we hear repeatedly in these letters and lines from Paul. And we have spent the last few weeks deep in another letter, in Galatians. And over the next few weeks, we will be diving deeper into Colossians, another letter written to a Jesus-following community early in the emerging Christian church. The church in Colossae, directly, hence the name Colossians, is this letter that we are hearing today. 
Now, many of you are aware that my relationship with Paul can sometimes be strained. It's not the most loving or forgiving relationship at times. And for many of us in this room and out in the world, I think that we are all struggling a little bit sometimes with these messages that we receive from Paul. For many of us in this room and out in the world, especially based on the conversations I've had over the last few weeks, it sounds like we're all trying to make sense of something. Specifically, in our case here and what we'll be speaking on today, trying to make sense of our faith in relation to what we've experienced of God, the way we've embraced God's presence in our lives, in relation to how we've experienced Christ in our lives, versus what we maybe have been told about the same via these letters of Paul's, or maybe Paul. They can oftentimes seem contradictory. Amen? You see, these letters have provided so much foundation for our modern church's practices and beliefs, and that's for better or for worse. They have provided a foundation of faith for us. And when I speak of the church right now, I'm speaking of the big C, capital C church, as in the church universal, the church throughout time. And like anything that's built on a foundation, any of us who have ever had to attend a building inspection or have been part of building buildings, we know it's good to inspect your foundation from time to time. It's good to inspect what's holding us up. What is providing the connection to the ground beneath us? Is it stable? Is it solid? Is it something that we can trust to continue to hold us up going forward? And these are questions many of us in our denomination and in our faith traditions that we're asking in today's modern world. These were also the questions we can assume were being asked by this baby church in Colossae based on the letter written to them in response to some question or concern that had been brought before Paul. Because as we've mentioned before, we're not getting the whole story. We are getting the responses from Paul to something that has been brought to his attention. So while we don't know exactly what this brand new church was asking or dealing with, we can get a pretty good idea from the response that Paul sends to them. And what's happening in today's text, outside of what appears to be a pretty standard greeting and opening, is deeper, something that we need to go deeper with as well. But first, I need to put it out there that there is significant scholarly doubt as to whether or not this was actually written by the Apostle Paul, or if instead it was written in the name of Paul to give it a little more weight. Now, this does not detract from the wisdom that we can glean from these pages, because the practice of writing and using the name of a teacher or an apostle was not uncommon, and it wasn't frowned upon in the first century. This was not malicious plagiarism or false attribution with the intent to lead people astray. 
In fact, as we read it, it would appear that the opposite was the intention, that this was written in order to reassure people of the faith, to reassure the people within this faith community that they were, in fact, on the right path. See, much like we read in Galatians, this church in Colossae found itself pulled in multiple directions. There was the secular world again, the world of the empire, which made it really difficult at times to be a practitioner of a faith that creates a new type of society that's based on equity, on the sharing of resources, on the caring for the vulnerable, and on the mutual concern for one another. This was a direct threat to the empire, to the Roman Empire in particular at this time. It was a direct threat to proclaim a faith which openly declares that worldly powers do not have the final say about the value of your life or the quality of your life or even if you live or die. This was in direct opposition of what the secular world was telling people. And then we have the pull of the instruction or the school, if you will, of Paul's, which taught a specific way of knowing Christ, of being a follower of the Jesus way. Because for Paul, it didn't matter where you came from or what you had done or what language you speak or how you self-identify. For him, we often hear him talk about there is neither Jew nor Greek nor male nor female or what have you. What mattered was your heart. What mattered is what was in your heart, your intention to follow Jesus, your faith in the message and in the identity of Christ, your knowledge of who you were made to be in God's image. And then thirdly, we have the pull of other missionaries, other teachers and preachers who were bringing a message that was very different from Paul's. Messages and ideas that we will encounter as we go deeper into this epistle, into this letter together over the next few weeks. The thing is, this is not so different from where we are as a faith community or tradition today. Amen? It's not so different from what I imagine many of us experience especially when we are new to modern Christianity or perhaps even renewing our relationship with the church and with Christ. Because we too are often pulled in the same multiple directions as this first century church was here in our 21st century world. Secular society, the society outside of church or religious communities, often tells us that our faith is silly at best or toxic at worst. And not without good reason. I mean, the Big C Church hasn't been really great over the last millennia or two about owning its faults, and we certainly haven't been real good about owning our current, present-day faults. Amen? And we certainly, over millennia, as Christians, as Christianity, aligned ourselves with power and privilege 
in a way that doesn't quite match up with the reminder that Jesus gave us to love God with all of our hearts and our minds and our strength, or align with his mandate to love one another as we have been loved. Then there's the pull from other voices who claim to speak on behalf of Christ and the church, who demand an exclusive faith, not an inclusive one, one that denies the sacred worth of folks who don't fit a predetermined description of what a Christian is or should look like. And then we have the pull from these letters, from these epistles, from Paul or maybe Paul, Letters which act as reminders, much like he was reminding that early church, assuring them and us that we are already on the right path. We already have a relationship with God and Christ and the Spirit. And how do we know that? Well, we know it because that relationship is evident in the faith and the love that we display and express every day. And it is because of that faith and that love that there is hope. There is hope for the future, hope for what we can accomplish in the world, hope for, yes, revival and renewal. And that hope is possible only when we stay true to our call as Christians, to have faith and to live love out loud in the world. So how do we do that? How do we ensure that we are doing that? Well, even I can't believe I'm saying this, but we start with what Paul tells us to do. Amen. Amen. Finally, y'all got me to say it. We start with what the Colossian church was given, and we in turn apply it to our everyday lives too. We do it by producing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, which means, yes, studying the scriptures more than just on Sunday morning. And it means then applying them to even the most mundane parts of our lives. Yes, we can come to church and we can celebrate and worship God. And yes, we can go out and do works of mercy and justice, but we can even brush our teeth and do the dishes as means of glorifying God. As much as we do when we feed the hungry at Bristol Lodge every month or provide our building spaces in support of the communities that we serve, they are equally, equally rich in opportunities for praise. Then Paul says, be strengthened through God's glorious might so that you endure everything and have patience. Endurance in the sense that we will still remain vital and relevant. Vital and relevant in a world we share with all of creation when we remember that we are called to engage and transform that very world we live in through love and compassion, mercy and justice, 
We are not called to separate ourselves, but we are called to find God in the world beyond our sanctuaries. And when we do that, we can be strengthened in the work that needs to be done. And lastly, we can do it by giving thanks with joy to the Creator, the one who made it so that we can take part in the inheritance, part in eternal life, in light granted to God's holy people, an inheritance for us and for future generations, an inheritance of a more just and equitable world that we can realize now as well as in the future. A world not of darkness and death, but of light and love. A holy place, as Paul speaks of, which reflects the light of Christ, both in the here and now and in the yet to come. So yes, there is wisdom in this ancient text for us even today. And yes, we are struggling with the same questions that the Colossians were. And yes, it does seem like the world has made us as a church irrelevant. It does seem as though the fighting within our denomination has made it so we wonder sometimes if what we're doing is real, if this Christianity thing is real. Are we on the right path when sometimes it feels like we're constantly trying to swim upstream, amen? But take heart, church, because this, this letter, this is a letter of reassurance, beloveds. It's a letter of reassurance for the work that we are doing and will continue to do, as much as it is a letter of reassurance for the church in Colossae, because we are on the right path. We are on the right track when we live into this message of transformational love and healing. When we fully embrace who we are as Christians and as a church, and when we take it from here out into the world and live it out loud every day. So let us embrace that assurance in this uncertain world of ours. And let us be inspired this week and in the weeks to come to live in ways that display our faith, that celebrate divine love, and so bring hope to all who need assurance of their place in the world. May it be so for each and every one of us. Amen.